right, good to see you here this evening. We're glad you uh, came to church this evening on this beautiful, beautiful Sunday afternoon. Uh, I went out this afternoon and sat on my porch, and I was just flipping through my Bible, going over my message and my notes, and I was just sitting out there, and I thought, man, this is perfect weather. I wasn't, uh, I was wearing my, my shirt, and, uh, and, and I wasn't even sweating out. I was like, man, this is, I could handle this weather. This is nice. And, uh, and so uh, I, I enjoyed the beautiful sunny day outside, and I hope that you did as well. And I'm glad that you didn't enjoy it so much uh, that you stayed outside and didn't come to church this evening, all right? Um, Romans chapter number one, Romans chapter number one. And as you're turning there, I'd remind you that last week we were able to see that God reveals his righteousness, his punishment, and himself to mankind. And in verse 19, it says, so that they are without excuse. Um, and, and there are certainly many points to be drawn from this passage. So I don't want you to think that uh, we're getting everything out of this passage that we can. There are so many truths contained in, uh, in these verses that we're going to cover uh, that, that we could draw it out for quite some time, to be honest with you. Um, and, and when I go through books of the Bible, uh, and, and as I, I strive to teach and preach the Word of God, it, it's, there's so much information in there, to be honest with you, uh, that you could go through it. I, I was thinking the other day I could go through it, and I, I, I preached through the book of Corinthians in, uh, here in our church, but before that I had preached through it in Italy, in Italian, and, um, and, and I don't go back and take my notes. Well, of course, they were in Italian, so uh, it would have been a real pain to go through it and, uh, and take my notes and try and convert them over to English. So, but uh, even if they were in English, uh, I'm one to sit down and relook at the passage again and say, hey, what does this mean? And what are they trying to say? Because there's so much information that can be pulled out of Scripture uh, and I'm telling you, I've, I've listened to so much preaching over the years, over my lifetime, uh, that uh, I've heard messages out of the same exact text, and they're so different, uh, and they're so good, and, and both of them are true. It's not like one is good and one is bad. No, they're both true, and they both contain a lot of truth, and so there's a lot contained in the Word of God. And uh, Romans chapter 1, we're going to cover verses uh, well, we're going to start at 19, and, and, and we're, going to read, we're, we're not going to read it all, but we're going to cover all the way through the end of the chapter, which is verse 32. And, uh, and I feel like it's one continuous thought, at least, that, uh, that we're going to look at. So Romans chapter 1 and verse number 19, we'll start there. We're kind of backtracking a little bit from what we covered last week, uh, but uh, we'll, not, we'll not recover, we'll not rehash that. Uh, Romans 1.19, the Bible says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for, that, for God hath shewed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse." Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank You for today. We thank You just for Your goodness to us. 
God, we thank you for the, uh, the opportunity and the privilege that we have to meet in your house around your word and to study your word. And God, thank you that each and every one of us can have a copy of your word sitting in our laps. We have several at home. And God, what a blessing to have your word of God and have the availability of the word of God in our lives. God, may we study it. May we strive to understand. May we strive to learn more about you, Father, and what you've written in your book. God, will be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. And God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this passage... Uh, I was looking at it, and, and I like to look at other things as well. And in our text, uh, here's two other outlines, okay? I'm just going to give them to you. We're not going to go through them. But uh, uh, you can find uh, one person outlined it this way, six steps descending into complete insanity uh, of the sins that are listed in 29 through 32. And, uh, and it's interesting because he says, one, they glorified him not as God. Two, they were not thankful. Three, they became vain in their imaginations. Four, their foolish heart was darkened. And five, they professed themselves wise and became fools. And six, they changed the glory of God into an image. Uh, and those are just six steps that are clearly laid out in the Word of God there. Uh, I try not to preach six-point messages, all right? I try to stick to three points uh, for your sake and my sake and... Uh, but, uh, but those are six steps that are clearly outlined there. Another outline that I, I came across is in our text, they also uh, they talk about, one, the wickedness of their intellect, and two, the wickedness of their idolatry, and three, the wickedness of their interest. And that's certainly clearly visible in our outline that we're going to look, that, we're, that, that, is, that is these verses, uh, but we're not going to look at those even. They're both good outlines. Um, and there, there are three areas. There are certainly things that, that can be visible uh, from this text. But I want to preach this evening on uh, when God gives them up. When God gives them up. One of the things that I, uh, that I was drawn out in this text is that uh, the phrase, and God also gave them up. And I thought that was very interesting. Uh, in this text. You'll see that three times in the passage. You'll find it in verse 24 is the first one that we will look at. Wherefore God also gave them up. But the verse starts off with wherefore. That means uh, that you have to look at the preceding verses to find out why it is there. What is he talking about? Well go back to verse 21 where we left off and it says because that when they knew God they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. I wrote down for that verse that they dishonored God. They glorified Him not as God. We're talking about God giving them up. Actually, in our verse 24, I want you to notice, go back to 24, and uh, before we go too far, he says, Wherefore God also gave them up, to the uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts. And so he says, God gave them up to their lusts. That's the very first point that I want us to see. God gave them up to their own lusts. And a lust is what you desire. 
It's what you are, uh, are after. The Bible says that every man, uh, when he sins, he's drawn away of his own lusts. Every person has in inherent desires uh, to do things that are not right. Uh, the Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, uh, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. And so every person has foolishness and lustful desires in their heart. Now, maybe that lust is for perversion. Uh, maybe that lust is for alcohol. Maybe that lust is for uh, financial gain and to steal and to get money. Uh, that lust could be, many, could be very diverse and it could cover many areas, but without the shadow of a doubt, every person has lust in their heart. That's what the Bible says. And so God, in this passage, the Bible says that God gave them up to their own lusts in their heart. And so as we think about this, uh, I think, that what, why, why did that happen? How did we get to that point that God would turn over man uh, to his own lust? And I want to say this as well. Uh, I think I had this in my introduction and I skipped over it. That God has created man with a free will. God didn't design us as robots. By the way, that's one of the reasons we're not Calvinists, Okay. Uh, Calvinists believe that God elected some to heaven and some to eternal damnation. And, and we don't believe that because the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there's too many whosoever's in the scripture to say that only a select few are chosen of God to be saved. Hey, we believe that everyone can be saved if they'll trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, if it was just a select few, why would we bother sending missionaries to Argentina, to Africa, to Asia, uh, to Peru, South America? There would, why would we do that? Well, they say, well, it's because we're fulfilling the command of God. But really, if it's already determined and preset in stone by God, then whether you go or not, that person's going to be saved, according to their thoughts. And so we're not Calvinists. God has de designed us and designed man with a free will. Think about this. I hadn't thought about this before, but imagine being Adam. Now, Adam and Eve were designed not with a sinful state. They were not designed. You and I, we are inherently sinful by nature. We're, we're born sinners. I mean, we grow up, and we are automatically grown up selfish and uh, and 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 you know we fight with our siblings growing up if you had siblings or uh, selfish and that hey we want everything for ourselves and and we always are looking out for number one and and that would be us and and we have a hard time even comprehending and understanding uh, sinless perfection like Jesus Christ there's no doubt about that but I, I can't even fathom Adam being created in a state of innocence that would be that he did not have a sin nature. And, and he fell into sin because he was tempted, uh, and Satan tempted him uh, and tempted Eve, and they did fall into sin. And from that, the Bible says in Romans uh, 5.12, Wherefore, by, as by one man sin entered in the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. We find that, hey, we've inherited the sin nature from Adam. And actually, we'll cover that in Romans, I think, in chapter 5. It talks about that Adamic nature 
uh, and the original uh, nature or sinful nature rather that that Adam had and he passed on. And so what I'm saying is God is uh, God is, has did not design us to be robots. He did not design us to say, hey, uh, you know what, you're going to grow up and this is the way you're going to go and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. Um, the hyper-Calvinists believe that. They believe everything in their life is pre-programmed by God. And, uh, and if they get a flat tire on their car, well, it must have been God's design and God's will that they get a flat tire, and, uh, and therefore that was destiny. By the way, did you hear about the hyper-Calvinist who fell down three flights of stairs? He got up, and he said, man, thank God that's over with. He, he thought God planned all of that. He might have just tripped and been clumsy. Um, but God didn't design us a, a, with a... With a uh, God gave us a free will to choose. So when we see the idea of wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their heart, in other words, God said, you know what, if that's what they want and that's the direction they're going to go, then you know what, I am going to allow them to go that direction. That's not a stamp of approval. That's not a saying, well, uh, we approve of that and that's okay. That is God saying man desired that and that's the direction that man went. So we see that in verse 24. Uh, and we start that off in verse 21. Uh, wherefore, why is it there? In verse 21 he says at the very beginning, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. They dishonored God. They did not glorify Him as God. And this is the first step in that downward spiral of that one uh, outline is that, hey, that they decided, you know what, we know who God is, but we are not going to honor God. There's a lot of ways you can honor God. And one of them is being in church, and one of them is reading your Bible, and certainly you're honoring God, especially on a Sunday when it's a beautiful Sunday afternoon, and you're like, man, tempted to stay home. You decide, you know what, I'm going to honor God, and I'm going to honor God's Word by coming to church. And I'm going to honor God. And so uh, the, here we find that, hey, the very first step might seem like a very subtle step. It might seem like something that's not very important. It might seem like something that's small. But listen, it's the first step in a downward slide that goes into complete disarray when we get to the end of the chapter. It becomes a real problem. And that is not honoring God. Listen, we have a responsibility to honor God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse 31, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Did you know you could eat to the glory of God? Well, that's what the Bible says. I remember when I worked in camp, we used to say a verse uh, before, we, uh, before every meal. They would, they would have the verse, uh, maybe for the week, or maybe, I don't remember. But they would all, we'd say it out loud, you know, and uh, the, the counselor would get up, and he'd quote that verse and say, here's the verse, we're all going to say it, I want to hear all you campers say it, and, and then all the campers would repeat that verse. And we'd say that. And, and we repeated a verse before swim time. And you know what verse we repeated before swim time? It was that verse, 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether therefore ye eat or ye drink, do all to the glory of God. Oh, and you know what that was saying? It was saying to the campers, it was saying to the counselors, hey, even in recreation, even when you're having a good time, and there's nothing wrong with having a good time, but you ought to be conscientious that, hey, we're glorifying God. 
with our life. And everything we do ought to point to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ought to be careful that we honor and glorify God. One of the things that they did was they did not glorify God. You know, a step in that direction is being unthankful. I don't know. It seems like in America, by and large, Americans have become very ungrateful. I mean, we are one of the most blessed nations on the face of the earth. We are. If you've, if you've never had an opportunity to travel outside of the United States of America, uh, or rather, if you have had an opportunity to travel outside of the United States of America, you know, hey, there are people who are living in, in excess poverty far above what we even cons- or far below what we even consider poverty. I mean, there there's some people in some bad shape. Um, and one of the things that we kind of joke about, at least in my family, is, is we're like, oh, first world problems. I mean, I ran out of plugins. I don't have nowhere to plug my cell phone in. We're like, first world problems. You know, there's people who are living without water, electricity, uh, without indoor plumbing. There's people that are living uh, in, and with, with very, very little And we ought to be grateful for what God has provided for us. Hey, when we start to become unthankful, hey, it's a problem. It's a step in the wrong direction. We ought to be grateful. When we recognize ingratitude, it becomes a real problem. And we ought to be grateful for what God has done for us. And so they dishonored God. Uh, They stopped glorifying God. They uh, They were not thankful to God. The second thing I want you to notice, uh, not only did they dishonor God, they distinguished themselves. Look with me in verse number uh, 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but he says, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. In other words, they started to distinguish themselves. Man, we're pretty smart. You You know what? It turns out we don't really need God. Maybe they missed church service. Maybe they stopped reading the Word of God. Maybe they kind of got away from God, and they got away from where God was, and they said, you know what, I think I'm doing pretty good out here by myself. Hey, you know, life ain't so bad. I can pretty much take care of myself out here. And, uh, man, I, you know, the income's going good. I quit giving offerings to God, and I quit reading my Bible, and, hey, man, I'm floating my own boat, and you know what? I'm not dead. That preacher, he was wrong. I'm doing Okay. And they got away from God and they got away from the things of God and they became vain in their own imaginations thinking, hey, you know what, I I can get along pretty good without God. It's not a problem for me. And and you know what, they they thought, wow, I'm pretty smart. And they became puffed up and the Bible ends that verse with this this phrase um, in verse 21, and their foolish heart was darkened. We've been going through the book of Proverbs on Wednesday night, and I encourage you to come on Wednesday night if you're uh, not working and if you're available. Listen, uh, we're trying to go through the book of Proverbs. For the last two Wednesday nights, we've gone through uh, Proverbs 26 verses 1 through 12 clearly and cleanly describe the fool. I mean, uh, the word fool or folly is used 14 times in those 12 verses. It is, a, it is a whole bunch of verses that clearly describe the fool and his folly. And I read this verse in verse 21, that phrase, and their foolish heart 
was darkened. When you start to get away from God and you think that you're doing okay, listen, your heart will grow dark. And you might not notice it. Have you ever sat around in the woods when it starts to get dark out? Uh, if you've ever been hunting or uh, camping and, you know, you're kind of sitting there and, and if you're sitting, waiting for deer, you're sitting in a deer stand. And man, right at that dusk time, that's when they start to move and that's when they come out. You want to be sitting there and you want to be watching. And you're sitting there and you're watching and you're thinking, man, it's still daylight. And you want it to be daylight. Man, it's still daylight. I can still see if it has horns or not. And before you know it, it's dark. And you're like, man, where'd the daylight go? I could just see those trees, and now, man, I could barely make out even any kind of shadow that's there, especially if there's no moon. And, and you notice that it starts to get dark. Listen, the Bible says that their foolish heart was darkened, and when it starts to get a little bit darker, many times you don't realize that, hey, it's getting a little bit dark and I can't see as far. Many times it will be outside of your ability to recognize what is going on, but pretty soon uh, it'll be so dark and you'll be like, man, I, I, I've been times in the woods, uh, I've been like, man, where's my flashlight? I don't remember how I got in here. And I can't see the trail. It's so dark. And, and they're, listen, the Bible says that they're foolish uh, because they walked away from God in the first place. And that's one of the marks of the fools in Proverbs that we've looked at. And it says their foolish heart was darkened. And it becomes a problem in their life as they walk away from God. In verse 23, uh, they not only distinguish themselves um, and they, they became vain in their own imaginations. But in verse 23, they downgraded God to an idol. It says there in verse 23, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man to, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. In other words, they took God who is the Bible says here, uncorruptible. That would be something that cannot be corrupted. God is perfect. God is holy. God is righteous. And, and God will always be holy and righteous. He is uncorruptible. Everything that we have in this earth, listen, it corrupts. Your car, your nice shiny car, you know what's going to happen to it in 10 years, given enough time? There's going to be rust spots start coming up on it. <gasps> what happens you put that thing in the garage you can you can uh, wash it off every time uh, but I'm telling you unless it's made of plastic it's gonna rust that's what happens why it's corruptible but God is not corruptible he is uncorruptible the Bible says he is holy he is righteous but the Bible says that they changed God they took God from a from a, a uncorruptible holy righteous God and they made idols uh, turn over with me to Psalm chapter number 115 uh, and save your spot there in Romans Psalm 115 I want you to see these verses I, I love these verses um, there's a there's a song a quartet sings them an acapella quartet and, and it's I almost laugh every time it comes on. It's just such a good song. They just basically sing the scripture, and it's unbelievable. Look at what it says here in Psalm 115 and verse number 2. The Bible says, Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? 
But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. In other words, they're defending themselves against the heathens that are mocking their God. And they say, hey, our God lives in heaven. You cannot see him, but he lives in heaven. And then he goes on about their gods. Look what he says in verse number four. Their idols are silver and gold, the works of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them, and so is every one that trusteth in them. I love that passage. It's very clear to idols that it's foolishness. It's foolish that man would form something with his own hands and then say, well, there's God. I think all the time of, uh, of Israel when they had crossed the Red Sea and, and Aaron or Moses went up into Mount Sinai and he's conversing with God and he was gone for a long time and, and the people come to Aaron and they say, hey, listen, we need to do something. Moses is gone and we don't know about God. And, and so Aaron takes all the gold from them and, and, and forms an idol, makes a, a golden calf. And he says, there's your God that brought you out of, out of Egypt. What kind of a slick salesman was he? I mean, are you serious? That golden calf wasn't even around when they crossed the Red Sea. I mean, it just, I'm amazed, but you know what? Those people became, uh, they did not glorify God. They became unthankful. And after those few steps, they started becoming vain in their own thoughts. And they puffed themselves up until they finally downgraded God to an idol that they made with their own hands. That's the epitome, to me, of foolishness. Something that you formed becomes an idol. And yet we find uh, that God gave them up to their own loss. Why? Because of this, these steps that they had taken uh, back in Romans chapter 1, uh, we find that in verse 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their heart. God gave them up to their lusts. I want you to notice in verse 26, of Romans chapter 1, the Bible says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. Not only did God give them up to their lust, God gave them up to their love. Vile affections. It says there, for this cause, for what cause? Well, go back up to 24. He's carrying a thought forward because of they were they were uh, did not glorify God and they were unthankful and they became vain in their own imaginations. God turned them over to their own lust, but He carries the thought forward and He says here in verse 24, "Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves." who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And for this cause, God gave them up to, unto vile affections. And he carries that thought through, verse 26 and on down through 27. But I want you to notice this, that in the first portion, they dishonored God. In other words, they took God and they downgraded God. And listen, it's interesting because you look at that. When man starts to walk away from God, that's one thing. But then man starts to, to, uh, to hurt mankind. That's what happens. 
you know the Ten Commandments, they're divided into two sections. And the one section deals with God and man. And how God or man is rather to reverence God and not to take His name in vain. And how they're to, to, to respect the holy day, the Sabbath day, which would have been Saturday for them. And, and he goes on. You know those same things can be divided out. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. And I want you to see this about the law. We know this and it's described here in Romans chapter 1 as we look at this. But Matthew 22 and verse 36, look with me what it says. There's a young man comes to Jesus and he says this. He says, Master, in verse Matthew chapter 22 and verse 36, he says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus Christ divided those into two sections. He said, listen, the, there's a portion of the law that deals with loving God. And when you fall away from loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you know what happens is you, you've offended one of the commandments and by, uh, by nature you will go against God's second commandment to love thy neighbor as thyself. And so it should not surprise us as we see people and we see a nation and we see a society walk away from God uh, that, that, listen, that crime would increase and that problems would increase. Why is that? Because there's no authority in God. They have removed that authority and then government is in charge. God help us all when that becomes the, the case. Because I'm telling you, it becomes a problem if God is not in charge. And so in Romans, back in Romans chapter 1, we see this progression. In these verses, uh, they got away from God and they became vain in their own imaginations. They became puffed up. And then in verse, after verse 24, uh, they start to, uh, they start to, to um, dishonor mankind. And so God gave them up to their love. In verse 26, unto vile affections, the Bible words it. He gave them up to their lusts in verse 24. He gave them up to their love in verse 26. And they dishonored mankind. Look with me at verse uh, 24. And wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own heart to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. There's a continuation of that sentence carrying that thought forward and God allowed them to take another step away from Him and defile themselves. And listen, this text goes all the way down uh, through verse, uh, verse 28. Well, let's read it. Look with me at verse 26. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts one towards another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their heir which was meat." We're talking about uh, perversions in an intimate relationship, sexual relations that have been completely perverted contrary to God's design and God's plan for mankind. That's what the Bible is saying. 
God designed it. I, I was thinking about this this morning, and I, I'm just blown away. I, I, I don't know. In Pastor's message, he, he mentioned, you know, that God made man and God made female, and that's very true. And how, how anybody can get so perverted in that thought that they don't even know what gender they are is the epitome of God's not in control of even deciding what sex I am. That's what that is. It is a denial of God. It is a denial of creation. It is a denial of the authority of God. It is rebellion at the heart. It is rebellion in their actions to the point that, hey, they will go through medical procedures to make it take place. Now, I'm sorry, if you have to have a medical procedure to decide what gender you are, then there's something not right with that. Every dog is pretty easy to determine. Well, that's a male. Well, how do you know that? Look, it's not hard. Now, rabbits, it's a little harder to tell. I've been around animals a while. And you know what? Every farmer and every person who's ever bred horses or cows or pigs or sheep or, or uh, any of the animals that go into uh, farming industry, they know there's no, there's no doubt what gender is this one. They're not questioning. They don't do any surgical procedures because God messed it up. God got it right in the first place. Man messed it up. And man has loved to go against God to the point that, hey, they will pervert what God has set forth to their own damage. That's what this passage is saying. God designed it perfectly in the Garden of Eden. He gave Adam, uh, Eve and Eve, Adam, and they were male and female. And listen, there was no problems. Why? Because sin had not entered into the picture. Once sin entered into the picture, and man becomes vain in his own imaginations and thinks that he knows better than God and that he knows better how to determine uh, what, is, what is a good relationship and what is a bad relationship, then listen, he starts to get away from God and he damages himself. He damages those around him. The Bible says that they dishonored themselves with mankind. Let me tell you something, that this is not new in 2021. Well, maybe the whole gender thing may be new. I don't know that man ever come up with that before. But it's not new. In 1 Samuel chapter number 2, you can mark it down, Eli's sons were sons of Belial, the Bible says, and they, uh, they ruined the offering of God. When people came in to offer sacrifices, they did whatever they wanted. They took more than they should have, and they abused those things. Not only that, but the Bible says that they were sexually perverted with, with uh, people who had come into the temple. So much in the Bible goes on to say that men abhorred the temple of God. Wow. Could you imagine? That was Eli's sons. I might have said Samuel. That's Eli's sons. In the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 2, you can read all about that. In Judges, chapter 19, there was a man traveling through Israel. And, uh, and he was coming back home. And, and, and as he was traveling home, uh, he stopped in a town. And, and as was common in that day, uh, somebody would come and say, hey, why don't you come stay at our house? And so he went and stayed at their house. And listen, the Bible says that perverted men came and knocked on their door and desired to, to, to get to know that guy in a much better sense than just having a cup of coffee with him. It was perversion in Israel. 
Not only that, but we know, of course, in Genesis chapter 19 uh, of Sodom and Gomorrah, the perversion. Listen, it's been going on since the beginning of time. This stuff is not new, but God has given man up to follow their vile affections to do whatever they want to do. God said, you know what, if that's the way you want to go, you can go that way. It's not approval of God, but it's God saying, man wants to do what man wants to do, man can do what man wants to do. And if it destroys him, it destroys him. Look there in verse number uh, 27, the last phrase. It says, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their heir, which was meat. In other words, God did judge them. And there is uh, a judgment that, that comes upon those kind of things. And I'm just telling you that they dishonored mankind. Look with me at verse 25. We find this, that they dishonored the truth of God. In verse 25 it says, Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator. I found it interesting, and there's probably a message and an outline in there, that in verses 21, uh, that they changed God, or 20 somewhere in there, 22, 23, they changed God into an idol. And then in verse, uh, the verse I just read, they changed the truth of God into a lie. You know what that is? They said, Psh, God didn't create the world. We evolved from little creatures that crawled out of the ocean. They changed the truth of God. Well, man, you don't have to be a male and a female to get married. They changed the truth of God. Well, I don't know if I'm really male or female. They changed the truth of God. They adopted what they wanted to believe, and they went contrary to the Word of God and said, you know what, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I don't care what God says. They're vile affections. God said, and go that way, go that way but it's not without recompense. There is a judgment that is coming. And we find that God gave them up to their love. Look with me at verse 28. Verse 28 says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Lastly, God gave them over to their lust. God gave them up to their love. God gave them up to their lost mind. The Bible says here, uh, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. I looked up a bunch of verses and sadly I did not note them all down here on, on what was reprobate. Uh, but in 1 Corinthians, I remember that uh, the Bible says that uh, Paul was writing and he said, to prove that you are not reprobate. In other words, that you've not walked away from God. I wish I would have wrote, wrote that verse down. But you can take it home and do it as homework. Amen? Look up reprobate and find it in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians and you'll find uh, a passage that, that helps clarify and understand reprobate. And I did that because uh, some people uh, were of the persuasion and of the mind that a reprobate mind could not be saved. I do not believe that. Um, I believe that as long as there is life, there's an opportunity for that person to be saved. And so, as we look at this, God gave them over to their lost 
mind. Verse 28 clarifies this. It says in the beginning, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Once they've stopped glorifying God, once they've become unthankful, once they've left God out of the picture, and once they have defiled themselves with other mankind, you know what? They don't want anything. They don't even want to think about God. Matter of fact, even the mention of God will anger them. Why? Because they know within themselves they're wrong. You remember last Sunday we preached on that God revealed it unto them in themselves. They know there's a God deep down in their heart. We talked about every, every society on earth uh, believes that there is some form of a God. Now, they might not know who that God is exactly, and they might not have a clear revelation of, of what that God is, but they know deep down inside there is a God. There's something bigger than them. But in this case, in verse 28, they dismiss God from their mind. Why? Because it shows them their sin. They don't like that. So God turns them over to a lost mind and says, you think whatever you want. The Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse number 19, and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That's why they don't like to think about God. That's why, frankly, honestly, they don't like to come to church. People are scared to come to church. Why? Because they'll see who they are. And I tell you what, I don't enjoy seeing who I am. I, I don't like knowing that, well, I'm a sinner. But I am glad that Jesus saves. I am glad that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us. I am glad that, that God does help us uh, and that, hey, He has promised us a home for all of eternity. But by and large, the lost world, they don't like church. You know why? Because they don't want to face the fact that they're lost. They're without God. There was a fancy base. I heard this this week, and, and it was a very expensive base, a vase vase for you uh, cultured people, uh, not myself. But, uh, but uh, there was a very expensive vase and uh, it had been purchased, and the new owners, they put a nice display and, and lights to shine on it. And shortly after they had gotten it placed, and they had the display all set up, and, and, uh, and shortly after, an earthquake took place, and that vase fell and broke into a million little pieces. Of course, the owners were very upset. So they hired a, a group of people to come in and to put that vase all back together with glue. And they did a phenomenal job. They put that vase all back together and, and they put it back in that display and, and the light shining. I mean, it looked beautiful. They really, you couldn't see cracks in it. You couldn't see anything. Amazing. But they discovered that if you put a light down inside of that vase, man, you could see cracks all over that vase. When the light gets inside, it just exposes our air. And it exposes our sin. And that's why they didn't want to retain God in their knowledge. That's why they don't like to talk about God. That's why they don't like to think about God. Look with me at verse number 29 and look at what it says. Uh, or look at the end of verse number 28. The Bible says, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Verses 29 down through 30. 
um, 31 is a list that is just unbelievable. We'll read it real quick. I will not define all the terms and go through all this, but the Bible says, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters. Whisperers, it just means gossipers. Backbiters, that would be people who would uh, divide. Haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient of parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgments of God that they which commit such such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. They descended into utter debauchery. What an incredible list. Fornication is listed with murder and deceit, whispers, disobedient to parents. Implacable means not able to be pleased. They'll, nothing, you can do everything you want, but they will not be happy. Whispers would be gossip, and we talked about that. All this list starts off because they didn't glorify God. God said, follow your lusts. And man, God even took another step, and, and God said, follow your love, your vile affections. Man took another step, and he got so far that, that this list is a comprehensive list of basic sins that permeate society and permeate lost people. Why? Because they do not like to retain God in their knowledge because it tells them that they are wrong. The Bible says that there in verse number 32, who knowing the judgments of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but look at what it says, that last phrase, but have pleasure in them that do them. What a sad lot. But they love their sin more than they love God. And they're not going to go back. By and large. Why? Because they've gone their way. And until they hit rock bottom, and until somebody brings the gospel along and says, hey, listen, can I tell you about God? He loves you. He cares about you. And they look at themselves and they say, how can a God love me? I'm so lost and wrapped up in sin. They have a hard time even understanding what the love of God is. I want to say this. God gave them up to go their way. But that does not mean we give up. We have a command from God. God said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, God gave, Jesus gave the parable of the seed, the sower and the seed. The Bible says that he went out to sow and some fell on stony ground and some fell on um, uh, some weedy soil and, and some fell on good soil. God didn't send us out to inspect the soil and say, oh, oh this, this guy, man, he's rocky. He ain't going to take it. I'm not, I'm not giving him a gospel track. This guy, man, he is, this guy, he's full of weeds. Good night, I ain't giving him the gospel. 
man, he ain't going to take it. Oh, this looks like some good soil. I'll give them a gospel tract. God didn't call us to be soil inspectors. God called us to go to the lost and dying world, to those that are living in debauchery, to those that are living in sin, to those who are reprobate of mind, who are turned over to a lost mind, to those who are turned over to the love of the vile affections, to those who are turned over to the lust of their ways, to every person that we have a responsibility to get the gospel. God gave them up to go their own way, but He has commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I don't want us to think that, well, he's a reprobate, so he's not going to get saved. No, we have a responsibility to reach every person. God nowhere in His Word said, well, you know, don't worry about the sodomites. Don't worry about those who are uh, confused or, or strung out on drugs. Don't worry about the alcoholic. God never said that anywhere in His Word. He said, you go to the world. And so as we recognize that God gave them up to follow after their lusts and follow after their love and follow after their lost mind of vain imaginations and everything that they could come up with and even take pleasure in them, we still have a responsibility to reach them with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we recognize that God gave up man to follow in his path, but he's commanded man, that would be us, to reach them with the gospel. We have a responsibility to do that. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, God gave them up to their loss. God gave them up to their love. God gave them up to their lost mind to have a reprobate mind. But may we reach them with the gospel. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the clarity that you have in your word. God, certainly we have an understanding of lost people have turned their back on you and walked away from you, but God, it doesn't eliminate our responsibility to reach them with the gospel. May we be careful that we don't become unthankful. May we be careful that we don't stop glorifying you as God. May we be careful that we don't become vain in our own imaginations. But God, may we not stop caring about the lost. Help us to have a burden, a compassion, a desire to see people saved. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. God gave them up. But he expects us to do as Jesus did, to seek and to save that which is lost.
bring our invitation to a close. Thank you for that. Um, it, Again, take your bulletins. Make sure you know everything that's going on. We have all church prayer meeting right after service this evening. Uh, there is a junior uh, junior.